Now it's weird that I hear the countdown, but I don't hear the music. Oh, it is there, but it's really, really faint. I love how that ends on DC. <laughs> That's it, it's done. Hi, Facebook family. How you guys doing? I'm Donya. We're starting our show. Here's Brian. Hi, everyone. <laughs> So um, I don't think we it, we had some reactions already, <laughs> but it's no necessarily viewers as of yet. But we're gonna. Um, so what do you want to do, Brian? You want to wait for a minute? Uh no, we can give the um the introduction. All right. Well, hello, family. I hope y'all like that. Those that did see that, I hope you guys like that new little intro. Um. My name is Donya Williams. I'm Brian Sheffy. And we are in the Genealogy Adventure Show. Um, today we're going to be talking about naming patterns, how your family's uh, names just kind of ran. You ever thought about how somebody got their name or, or something like that? Well, that's what we're going to work on today, just explaining the naming patterns and how it helps us figure out who our families are on top of that gut feeling that we sometimes receive and we try to figure it all out. So um, today and we're going to talk about that. And hopefully by the end of this session, one of the things that we'll be going, going over with you is as you're scanning things like census returns in particular, to keep an eye out for certain family names. So even if you come across a family that you don't recognize, if you recognize a lot of the names in the, within that family, that should be like a, a red flag for you to investigate. That's right. But let's talk about some of these names, Brian. Let's give some names out. Let's do that. Well, I'm going to start with the name Savannah Versi. Um, these are people from Donia and um, my shared ancestry in South Carolina. So again, you know, just to remind everyone, Donia and I have been doing this for a long time. Between the two of us, we have decades of research experience. So we've kind of developed an eye for this. But, you know, for instance, the name Savannah and Versi, that really only ever occurs on one, one part of our family, which is the Petersons and the Holloway, which, if you followed the previous show, because of so many intermarriages between those two families, they're basically the same family. So anytime we're doing work within South Carolina, specifically the part that we come from, anytime we see the name Savannah and Versi, doesn't even have to have the last name Peterson or Holloway. It's like, I phoned Anya. Donnie will phone me, stop what you're doing. I found another Versi, another Savannah. And if anyone watching can tell me how you get the name Versi out of Savannah, I will be eternally grateful. Right. We, can't, we can't work that one out at right. all. Right. How you go from that to that. Right. Um, 
But in all seriousness, every single time we do that, and every time we, we work on that unknown woman with the name Savannah, it goes right back into our Holloway and our Peterson line. Another name is John Wesley, classic Settle's name. So classic that later in, the, later in this broadcast, Donnie's going to actually show you a family tree to show you how that, how that name runs from, I think it's 1820? Is it 1820? It's All the way 18, down to... It's 1824 to 1924, 100 years. Oh, I was close. So literally from 1824 down to the present day, people are still carrying the name John Wesley or Wesley. Uh, again, classic Settles name. Alfonso is another one, another classic Settles. As a right. matter of fact, uh, my maternal grandmother was a Matthews from South Carolina. Her brother was called Alfonso, and he named his son Alfonso. So we're talking living people carrying a name that's been going down from generation to generation. And every time I see the name Alfonso, it's like a Pavlovian response. Drop everything, figure out how this, guy, how this family goes back to the settles. And nine times out of ten, we can actually work that one out. Uh, you want to talk about Augustus? Augustus, Augustus, Gus? is, Augustus is, um, is another name. That one is Settles and Cheatham's. We know that it goes hand in hand. If you see an Augustus, you're either going to find him on the Cheatham line or on the Augustus line. And, and that's our goal, to try to teach you guys how to look at your trees so that you can start paying attention to the fact that your family names are running in a pattern where you can actually look at a name and say, okay, I need to start looking for them in this particular, in this particular area. So that's, that's the goal. So we have that Augustus. And then there's always Moses. I mean, y'all know how we are about Moses. Moses had 45 children and we know that every Moses don't go directly to him, but you literally have to prove that. Yeah. <laughs> that we're we're more or less proven that the Moses don't go back to him as opposed to other things like does the Moses go to him? Does another Moses go to him? But that was a serious name that continues to run through our family to this day. And this man was born in 1769. So here we are, 2018, and it's just Moses everywhere. And because, I, because I know you find this one really exciting, I'll let you talk about Carrie. That's what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> the other one is Carrie Brunson. There is a Carrie Brunson in every last one of the families that we have been researching. Um, I don't care what family is. Now, remember, y'all, we have over 200 family surnames. But somewhere down the line, somebody married a Carrie Brunson. So that's amazing to me. It's to have that. 200 surnames, a whole bunch of Carrie Brunsons. Y'all figure it out. And it's different women. They could be Carrie, Caroline, but it all fits right back to Carrie. Um, what's another? Uh, well, I was going to go with uh, Georgiana or Georgiana, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Again, yeah. in terms of our ancestry, it's a very, it's a highly distinctive name, and it only really occurs on the descendants of one line, and that's always the Holloways or the Williams. And again, right. I don't care if I see, if I'm scrolling an 18, a, a 1920-1930 census return for Edgefield, McCormick, Greenwood, anywhere around there, it's 
the woman's name could be Georgina Baldwin. Just the fact that she's has the name Georgina, I'll look at the families around her. Oh, there's a Mathis. Oh, there's a Peterson. Yeah, yeah. she's gonna be she's gonna be family. And it and runs again, in the Peterson line too. And it runs in the Peterson line. Right. But uh, you guys have to remember the Petersons and the Williams are one and the same. That that's the same yeah. family. Uh, the other one that I have, uh, it's not a common one in our ancestry, but every time it pops out, it always goes back to the same family. That's the name Kezia, such a classic Quaker name. Mm. That one goes back to the Holloways, who, who started out as a Quaker family, even though when they rocked up to South Carolina, they stopped being Quakers. But they still carried that name, and the, their enslaved family uh, picked that name up. And like I said, it's not a common name. But every time I do see the name Kezia, it goes right back to the Holloways every single time. Yes. Um, there was one other that we were gonna that we were gonna mention. Now, there's other ones we don't know. We don't know how they figure into the family story or why they're so popular. But Eula May is one. Willie May is. You look at our tree. You look at the name Willie May. There are more Willie Mays than you could conceivably shake a stick at. All the way down the. And every single family. Now, you know, some people are going to say that's just a popular name. And to some, some degree, that's going to be true. Although I haven't really seen many um, of our white relations in Edgefield who used the name Willie May. That seems to be on the African-American side. So at some point in our history, there was a woman called Willie May who must have made some sort of an impression or was a matriarch or something. Because generation after generation after generation, you just see Willie Mae popping out all over the place. And would you say it's fair that it, the name Lula always goes back to, most, not always, mostly goes back to the senior line? Um, senior and Peterson, yes. Oh, the Petersons, that's true too. So again, yeah, it's, beca it's because Donnie and I have been doing this for such a long time that we've kind of, um, we've noticed these trends. So say, for instance, someone like me, I mean, my family tree now has just shy of 107,000 people in it. Now, I don't remember every individual in it. I remember quite a few of them. I definitely remember the more memorable ones. Um, I will never forget Moses Williams, ever. <laughs> um, but I know the family names. So when I'm, you know, when I'm doing my research and those certain family names pop out, I'm curious and I, I really want to know how they kind of go into the family story. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Um, and then I think after this, Donnie is going to show you a couple of our family trees to really emphasize this point. So I'm going to start with two, two examples, two completely different ones. I have an enslaved um, ancestor on my father's side. She is my five times great grandmother. Her name is Jemima George. Um, she was enslaved in Southwest Virginia. Um, as an enslaved person, she couldn't read, she couldn't write. It was illegal, it was illegal for slaves to, to learn how to read and write, so she didn't. But she left a vital clue in the names that she gave her children. All of her known children, we suspect that there's more, but all the ones that we've been able to prove were her children, all of their names begin with a J. There's a Jacob, there's a John, well actually a John Adam, a, a, a Jamma, which we think is short for Jemima. There's just a whole, there's just a whole bunch of, of J names in there. Well, the white man that she had a relationship with who followed, fathered all of her children, his name happened to be John Adam Sheffey. He's my five times great grandfather. Very sad story that's involved in that. Um, 
which I, you know you can read about all in, in all in my blog. But she was screaming down the centuries. This is the man that I had my children with. His name is John Adam, and the only way that I can tell you this is one by calling one of my sons John Adam. But look at the look at the initial that I gave all of my children. Every single one of them starts with a J. So that's one that's one way that you can actually use names to further dig into your ancestry and potentially knock down some brick walls. They named Daniel Sheffy. That name is only ever really used down two lines. <clears throat> and funnily enough, both lines, the, the black line and the white line, are both honoring the same man. There's a congressman who's my five times great uncle. Uh, his name is Daniel Sheffy, ger first generation German-American, went into Congress, got teased about his German accent. See, immigration, that was even a big thing back in the 1700s. People on the Congress floor teasing this man about his German accent, but he gave, them as, he gave as good as he got. So whenever I see a black or mixed race person in a census return or a record with the name Daniel Sheffy, I knew immediately that has to do with my immediate line, because out of all the African-American Sheffy lines, and we're all related, the only one to ever use that name was mine, to the point where I actually one of my father's uncles was called Daniel, Daniel Henry Sheffy V. That's mm. just to give you an idea of the continuity of that name and how, how important that name was to them. And interesting to note, Daniel Sheffy, not the man who actually enslaved my earlier ancestors in the Sheffy line. Um, but they wanted to honor him, and, and that's, how, that's how they chose to do it. Another quick example that I've literally, I just came across this about two weeks ago. As many of you who read my blog know I'm a direct descendant of Pocahontas. Don't do Elizabeth Warren jokes. It's the real deal. DNA proves it, all the rest of it. All of a sudden, I started noticing, I guess you would almost call, you would call them tri-racial people, white, black, Native Americans, all from with County, Smith, uh, Smith County in Southwest Virginia. And I'm starting to see these names like Hauntus, Pocahontas, Niketi, and what was the other one? Cleopatra. Mm. Those are, those are, really quite famous Powhatan, uh, Powhatan nation names. That's the, the confederacy that Pocahontas was part of. So I'm like, what's going on here? And as I did, you know, and as I start chatting to cousins and I see their DNA, their DNA test results, I'm like, oh, okay, you're definitely triracial. You know, you definitely have that Native American thing going on. Your ancestors who couldn't read and write knew enough that they had Powhatan blood that they were naming the, you know, at least naming the girls and the family after the more famous kind of Powhatan Native American women, which I think is kind of cool. Um, and as they you know, as we're working together to figure out how exactly we're related, um, funny enough, two of them, you know, we think we're only related solely through the Native American line. We don't share any black or white ancestors, which is quite an interesting little trip. But the thing that prompted that journey for me was the names, Pocahontas, Cleopatra, Niketi, because I knew who they were within the Powhatan Confederacy. I just immediately just knew that somehow our stories were going to connect. Um, so those are, some of, those are some of my examples. Um, and Donnie, sorry, just one more. <clears throat> Again, on my father's side, the Roan family. And I'm going to start with the White family first. And sometimes when you have distinctly different family groups, this is one way that you can try to determine which family group you actually belong to, because not all of them are going to be related. So in Virginia, 
in Essex County, King and Queen, King William, and Henrico. There's a family called the Rones. They're, and after many, many years of research, figured out one group are English, came from an English ancestor. Another group, which is mine, came from a Scottish ancestor who rocked up into Northern Ireland for a hot minute before coming over to the States. And no one's been able to actually prove or disprove whether these two families are actually one and the same. But one is Scottish, one is English. The English one, and I did, I'd spent years researching them because I didn't know if they were my people or not. They have classic naming patterns. Robert, Charles, oh, who's the other one? Richard. Those are all classic names in their line. Those names are never, ever used in mine. The Scottish side never uses those names. Mine use names like William, James, and Archibald. So anytime I see a James, William, or Archibald room, I'm like, yep, you're going to be one of mine. You're not the English ones. You're going to be one of mine. And when I start digging around, again, usually nine times out of ten, it's spot on. You know, uh, they, they do come from the, from the Scottish side of the family. So when working with names, when scanning records, when scanning documents, specific, and especially census returns, Something as simple as a name can really, really unlock your genealogy, can really smash down that, that kind of brick wall that, you are on, that you're faced with. And I don't know which family tree you're going to treat us with first. I'm all excited. I can't wait to see. <laughs> well, I'm going to start with Burrell because, I, and I'm learning, you know, this is all new to us, you guys. So the sharing the screen, this is, this is new. So bear with us on it. Um, but I'm going to start with Burrell. And basically, if you look at the screen, you see this is Burrell Yeldale. And Burrell Yeldale was owned by the, the White Yeldales in Edgefield. Now, y'all have to let me know how much of this you can see if I need to make it bigger. Because like I said, this is, um, this is all new. But that says Burrell Yeldale. Now, when I scroll down, See this name that's lit up? This, it says Bristol, Brister, Buster. That's a Burrell. But then they also had a Burrell Jr. right there. And then when you click on Burrell Jr. And I'm waiting for that to come up. He has a son, Burrell, Benny, Buster. <laughs> so basically what was going on with that particular family was that they were just, they were literally, if you, if you already had the Nick, if you already had the name Burrell, then that meant you were getting the nickname Buster, Brister, Bristow, Bristow, um, Burl. It, it always just kept running. And that went from the first bus, the first Burrell was born in 1806. The last Burrell, 1907. That's a hundred years. So they really carried on like that. And um, we started to realize that every time we came across a name similar to that, whether it was Bristow, Burrell, all of those names I just called off, we were trying to see if they would link. And so far, every last one of them have linked to the Yaledales. And it's been such a breakthrough for me, for my Yaledale line, because when I tell y'all that's the hardest family in the world, that's the hardest family in the world. Um, the next family I'm going to show you is the Settles family. 
And the Settles family is, is the same. They have so many names that they continue to use that it's just ridiculous. Like, I don't even understand why they do this. <laughs> but first one I'm going to show you in that line is Edward. The name Edward Settles and, um, uh, you know, the name Edward, you would think that it's not that. You just don't think much of it because it's a regular, it's a, it's a known name. It's not a, a weird name or anything like that. But that name rolled through that family, I don't know how many times. Um, Edward Horace Settles, I believe, is my fourth great-grandfather. And Brian, is he your fourth as well? Uh, yes, yes, actually he is. Okay, and actually, so it was because of the continuity of the name Edward that we were able to work out, plus oral family history, that Edward was actually the father of our line. So this is our white grandfather. Let me be clear on that as well, because we're finding in our lines that everything for us is falling back to a white male. It's literally falling back to a white male each time we, you know, start finding those connections. So if y'all notice, here's Edward Horace Settles right here. That's his son. Mind you, the Edward Horace Settles that I have at the top was born in 1782. So let's, let's get these dates down. 1782, Edward Settles. Then you had another Edward Settles born 1818. Then we click on it again. And I believe there was another Edward born after him. And you just kind of knew that it, it was them falling in line once again. Oh, well, well, especially when you started seeing names alongside them, like uh, Wesley, West. Presley was the other one. Press and Presley was another big Settles family and, name. And Presley. Yes, 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 yes. Cannot forget that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, those are names. But then the other name in the Settles line is the Wesley family. So as you can see, John Wesley. So Edward Settles Jr. had a son named John Wesley Alfonso Settles, 1854. And then that John Wesley Alfonso West, for a nickname, Alfonso Settles, turned around and had him with John Wesley Afonso Settles Jr. And then that John Wesley turned around and had him a Wesley, if I'm not mistaken. He did. And where is he? Where is he? It's not pulling up. Oh, there I, was another. I thought he did. He did. He did. There's another Wesley Settles. But funnily enough, that. but funnily enough, on that screen that you were just on, there was a Savannah, and there was a Press. Yes. Yes. So the names started to overlap. So these are the things that we want you guys to really start, you know, looking at when you're doing your research on your family and you're trying to find these things out. And then the other thing that is just a huge this now what i'm getting ready to show you guys and um loretta is watching so she probably cussed me out because i'm bringing in the petersons and we normally don't <laughs> on the petersons and i know kevin is about to laugh but we normally don't even speak the petersons name because if we speak the petersons name then all of a sudden we have to do research on them because they are doing their own they they want to be known and seen 
But what I'm about to show you guys is an 1870 census. It's the entire family. When you're doing your research on your family, you have to look at the entire census. Having 200 surnames or more, y'all need to understand the work that goes in or I know you guys get it, but for those, some of you get it, but for those that don't understand the work, the work that goes into being a genealogist is unfreaking believable. We're talking about a census record and it's not pulling up. So I'm, I don't know what's going on. It's moving really slow. Um, but we're talking about census records. Most census records can be as many as 35 pages long. That means we are going through every last page, looking at every single name and trying to find our families. That's what's going on. So it's the most time consuming thing that you could ever come across. Um, but I would say the, the flip side of that is Donnie and I can go from page one, or, you know, Donnie, Loretta, Sharon, all of us, together we can go to the first page and we can just start saying, yep, cousin, 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 great aunt, great uncle, two times great grandparents, cousin, 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 cousin. cousin. Basically for everyone that's, that is on, for, for a town like Talbot, Talbot in Edgefield, we can start from page one and everyone's family. We can literally, yeah. white, white, black, don't care, can work through it all and actually say, you know, actually tell each other how the various people were related to one another. Um, but again, that's because we've been doing it for a long time as a, individually and as a group to kind of gain that kind of insight. But what Donnie is actually saying and suggesting is really, really important. Uh, you know, and yes. I get that when you first, you know, and when you first start, it is best practice to just kind of have your blinkers on, get familiar with the records, get familiar with working with the records, because that's going to give you the confidence. And then, you know, the longer you work with it, the longer you stick with it, the more you see kind of rhythms in your family, whether it's family names, how long they lived, who they were living near, what they were doing. Then you have the confidence to start looking wider afield and start making, you know, and start making those, those kind of missing links. So as Don was saying, at some point, you have to stop looking at your immediate family and you have to start looking at who your family was living there. And if they weren't living in a city, if they were, looking at, if they were living in a really rural, and rural place, especially if that place was really hard to get to, um, a lot of those people are going to be related to, to each other because they were marrying each other and had been for generations. So it's a really good point. Yep. And now that this is, I don't, okay, here it goes. It's coming up now. So looking at this particular, the what's great about this particular one as far as the Petersons, and while this is pulling up, I just want to put how Loretta said, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> because I mentioned and I'm sorry, Loretta, but I have to mention them because you know, you know how your family is. And then um, while I'm still waiting for this to open, Kevin asked the question, well, first Something popped up from Loretta. She says, Talbert's either. I'm having a price at crisis. Okay. So she, <laughs> that's another family, the prices. And then Kevin says, should we only focus on one line for a time period? Brian, you answer that, and then I'm going to come back with that. Okay. I would say yes. That I mean, that's how I started. 
I literally started with my father's line, did his direct line, tried to find as many records and as much information um, about his direct line ancestors as I could. One, I did it um, just to get a feel for the kinds of records that were out there. Two, I wanted to push the boat to try to find records that maybe other people weren't kind of weren't accessing. Things like um, doing lookups in Google Books. I can't tell you what, oh, I, I was going to lie and say I can't think of why I started looking at Google Books, but because I'm an academic, I understood that that resource was available. And for those, for the most part, it's free. You can get really good kind of glimpses of published family history books. For those of you who aren't familiar, the URL for that is books.google.com. That's books.google.com. More family lineage books than you could probably, that would make your head implode. But I needed to become confident in myself about how to work with records, how to document what I was finding. And I really did stick with that direct line probably for a good nine to 10 months before I started looking at siblings, um, like my grandfather's siblings and tracing their line down, then going back to my two times great grandparents and finding their siblings, their descendants, and then pushing it back. But like I said, that was, it took me a good nine months to feel as though I was in a place where I was confident enough to do that. I'm gonna hand it over to Dania. <laughs> so here's my thing. He he had a good, you know, a good thing for that. I personally, I tried to do my research on one family when I first started. And if you read my book, you'll see in the book that it wouldn't let me like my my family wouldn't let me do that. I was trying to focus on the Yaledales and the Petersons was jumping in and, you know, just all in the face and all in my face and all in the way. And every time I was trying to do stuff, you know, I would come back to the Petersons thinking I was on the Yaledales. So yeah, I didn't have a good experience, but the Yaledales are, um, the Petersons are, are annoying. And you know who else is annoying? My children. So they're sitting here trying to make me laugh. So that way I got them away. But anyway, um, yeah, we, I mean, it's just, it run, the annoyance runs in the family because <laughs> my children, my fa the, the the ancestors, they're all very, very annoying. And they just kind of jumped in every time I was trying to do stuff. And every time, every time I was trying to figure things out, I'm thinking I'm on the Yaledales, especially with Martha, because Martha Brooks was my two time great grandmother. It's my grandfather, um, Jefferson Yaledales grandmother and I'm thinking I'm on a roll with her and she was really helping me move forward and helping me do a lot of things and all of a sudden hey hey children and then all of a sudden all of a sudden I'm talking about Petersons and it's Lula and it's her people and I'm like how did this switch so I have a big issue <laughs> with that trying to do one line at a time thing. I keep pushing stuff to the side, but sometimes they, they're very um, demanding folks. And, and I, would probably, I would probably argue that you were very unfortunate that you dipped your toe with the hardest family ever to try to research. Which one? The pieces? <laughs> you know, so we had a lot of people saying hello before I show this um this this census. Um, Martha Marshall says hello. Carla, 
Kevin, Marquita, Barbara, all of them, they all said hello. And Hi, then guys. Kevin responded, and he was like, yeah, laugh out loud at annoying Petersons. Because they are, Kevin. You know they annoying. You sent me a message 1030 at night talking about, I, I applaud you and Brian. Because <laughs> how much they got on our nerves and the things that was going on. But let me show you guys this particular um, census record. I'm going to go and do it solo. So if you see this particular record, you see the highlighted is Peter Peterson and Violet. That is our fourth great grandfather. Now, the thing about this is with the Petersons, Brian and I, we kind of came up with his family without knowing his name, his meaning Peter. And then all of a sudden we found this particular census record and this census record if you look everybody up here almost everybody are petersons but the whole line is related so this one right here is my two-time great-grandfather so that would make peter my third okay this is my two-time great-grandfather charles peterson and his wife mary and their children and this is my great-grandmother right here then this guy right here, Scott Holloway, actually had children with this lady right here, Amanda. But Amanda is Charles's sister. And that's, so that's my cool. that's my direct line. She's right. my she's right. yeah, she's my three that's, times great grandmother. Right. And that's Brian's direct line. So but then as we scroll down this, we came across this particular um what was it? It was a written oral history. Somebody had wrote down the story of Peter Peterson. And we ended up being correct because all the children that you're seeing named here, Wiley, Hannah, Amanda, um, all of the adults in here, Charles, they were all listed on that piece of paper. That piece of paper was like a gold mine. Like we couldn't believe that we had come across it. And we also didn't believe that we were right. But everybody on here, this lady right here, Martha, who's married to this Phillips, she's Martha Peterson. That's her. That's another one of their children. So if y'all look, I'm going from the top to the bottom, and this whole page is one family. They're all family. But wait, because when I go because <laughs> when I go backwards, look at the top of this page. It says Joshua Peterson. It says Lottie. It says Hazelton. These are all Petersons. Daniel, that's another one of Peterson, Peter's son, Daniel. All of these people, Joshua, we believe is Peter's brother. So these are, I mean, this is going backwards, but then I can go forward and come towards other Petersons. So the thing that you need to do is that you need to start looking at your your overall census records. And unfortunately, I know it's going to be a lot of work, but you're going to have to look at every single name. And you're going to have to like really separate, sort it out the best way you can. Everybody has their own way of organizing, but you're going to have to literally go through every single name. And let me say that there are how many pages? That one census is 26 pages long. 
So we went through all 26 pages and I guarantee you guys, I have at least one family member on every single page. More. Yes. More. And then not all Petersons. Nope. But they, you know, we're talking Brooks's, we're talking Williams, we're talking Phillips, we're talking Borums, all in that one area of Edgefield. So, so we have more comments. One thing that I that. did that might help you guys as well with what Donnie is just saying, when I was working in the 1870 census in With County, Southwest Virginia, I actually printed the whole census return out. And I think that was about 63 pages. Laid them out all on the floor, got different colored marker, mar markers, went through and started highlighting all the Sheffies first to get a better understanding of how they related to each other. Um, most of them were actually living very, if not next door to one another, they were living very close to each other. But I started from the first page because there was a Sheffy there. Whether they were white or black, I didn't ma it didn't care. It didn't matter at that point. If your last name was Sheffy, you were getting a highlight. Highlighted the whole thing. Then that's when the pieces of the puzzle started falling together because I couldn't imagine, I couldn't work out who this Jemima Sheffy, who was 101 years old in the 1870 census, how she related to the other ones until it's like, oh, she's actually living in between two of her sons and then started, you know, spreading it out that way. But that's just the kind of visual way that my mind works. Even though I love the planet, I'm all about protecting the planet, fighting for the planet. It broke it. I didn't really want to have to print out 63 pages of paper, but I did it. Um, and it was a really good, very practical way of, breaking down some brick walls and, and actually answering some questions. And as right. Donia said, once I understood how the Sheffies were interconnected to each other, started looking at families that I knew that they married into a lot, like the Wards and the Clarks and the Gross Closes, a whole, and the, the Fugits. And again, was able to put the puzzle pieces together just by looking at 60 something odd pieces of paper that were highlighted. Um, it was just, like I said, I, I hope that that's a really good practical um, suggestion in how you right. can crack that. So um, Loretta also, and Loretta stated that sometimes you have to just, you have to verb veer off. And she said, especially with so many duplicate names, you may have to research a marriage, death, or sibling to make sure you have the right person, which is absolutely correct, which was how we ended up finding out that Peter Peterson and Violet were the parents because we were, we were you know, looking at different looking at all these names and then all of a sudden, right smack dab in the middle, it was these elderly people living around all these different people because we knew that they had some type of connection. We just didn't know what it was. So we went with that feeling inside oh. and started to realize, okay, you gotta, this must be there, this must be dad, this must be mom. But what's even more amazing about the Peterson family, so I'm, I'm giving them their props. Because this family was separated during slavery and they found themselves back together, not just together, living on the same street in 1870. But we found them in Edgefield record books, some of them on one family plantation, some of them on another family plantation, but they ended up back together in 1870. I found that to be so amazing. I found that to be so amazing. So that right there 
it's it's almost it's almost it's actually it's heartwarming to know that they were able to continue to keep up. So then um Kevin says, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Cause he's talking, we were talking about our family, the way that we do. And then just reading off some um comments, Loretta says there were so many of them, they didn't have to move, they just started their own little town. Which is true. That's another thing. And that little town or that little street was called Pleasant Lane. They literally started their own street. And that's where all the Petersons lived, right in the township of Blocker on Pleasant Lane. So that was another thing. If you see a death certificate and it says Pleasant Lane on it, that was a Peterson. So you have to start really paying attention to those things that you would never, ever pay attention to. You never realize how words or names actually can direct you or guide you to something so simple and so, you know, crazy. So Shirley says, hello. I'm going to get these comments out, Brian. Shirley Phillips. Hi, cousin. And Tony says he just found new Jeter relatives. I'm going to be honest. Jeter is not in it. I do have Jeter's on my tree. I have them in Edgefield, but as a family, we haven't dug into them yet. Yeah, and that's what I told him. But the thing about Tony is that, oh my Tony, hi Tony. Um, the thing about my Tony, about this Tony, is that he's our connection in Virginia. He comes straight out of Virginia. We're going to get into Tony's stuff. Kevin says he's still trying to figure out the West Virginia connection. Which kind of brings us, and then Tony Austin says hello. Hi, Tony. Let me tell, and then that's another thing. I'm gonna tell y'all something about her. My daughter's afraid of her, and my daughter's afraid of her because she is the spitting image of my grandmother. So much so that my mother looked at her and said, "She looks like mommy." And it's just, it's it's amazing how our family lines, that blood is so thick and we get those genes and it comes through. It just really pushes and pushes through. So there's a, um, a special love for my Tony there. And then we have another question from Karen Bertram. She says, oh, can I, I, can I, go can ahead. I just pop in first? Uh-huh. As you were talking about West Virginia, I just have a little pet peeve. The state of West Virginia didn't exist before the Civil War. I can't tell you how many family trees that I see Amy Smith, born 1776 in Kanawha County, West Virginia. It was Virginia. And that might seem like semantics, and it'll be a different topic for a different show. It's not. Because if you're trying to find records for an Amy Smith or whatever her name was, born 1776 in West Virginia records before the Civil War, you're not going to find her. You're it's going to be find, Virginia, right? You're not going to find anything. It's, it's Virginia. It's so Virginia. While the, so while those records may now in modern day be held in a West Virginia archive, that's not where it started out. So again, it's, it's just about being, being mindful. Um, and again, quickly on that note, even Don, you know, Donia, myself, Sharon, Loretta, all of our all of our kind of research group, we were very mindful about where our ancestors were living or what that area was called, more specifically, at a specific point in time. So while it may look as though an ancestor, yeah, 
Thanks to <laughs> Sheila. Thanks Even to though Sheila. it may seem like our ancestors were hopscotching all over the place, you know, poor Moses Williams, you know, living in Edgefield, then North Georgia, then in some other place. No, he was in the same place. He never left. It's just the boundaries shifted, but the place was cold, changed. So again, it's it's trying to be as accurate as possible because believe me, in the long run, that will make your research so much easier. And it, again, it, it makes you mindful of the diff different influences that affect our research. So sorry, right. you had, someone had a question? So Karen Bertram, she says, I have several family, I have several relatives who are listed on the same census year, but in different states. Do you find that a lot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I can say is mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you start to look at it and it's just so amazing how one minute they're living here, the next minute they're living there. But I'm, I, I was talking to Loretta the other day and piggybacking off of what Brian was saying, because this makes a, a big deal. It's, you know, we're, we're talking about naming patterns, but we're also talking about words that can give the keywords that can direct you to your family. So I was talking to Loretta the other day and we were talking about how our fam where our families were living at the time. And I told her that I found in the newspapers.com that there was this, there was a white Yaledale. He lived to be, I think, in his 90s or something like that. And he lived in one house. But that house was in three different areas. That's because the postal lines kept changing. So when, like Brian was saying, as far as Virginia, as far as West Virginia was concerned, you have to be mindful of where your family was originally. During the time, you got to look at the dates. You got to literally pay attention to every minute detail because you're going to find yourself going back and then finding something new and going back and then finding something new. So that's what this show is about. It's about trying to stop you from going back and finding something new because we already did it. It's just like a mom or dad teaching their children. We don't want you to take the same steps we took. So that's why we're trying to get this out to you guys to let you know, you have to get, you know, you have to, you have to really figure out where everybody is. Let me get caught up in these. Um, well, that was questions. actually really, that was an interesting question that she, um, that she asked. Because mm -hmm. again, doing this, you almost have to be, you're a historian, not kind of have to be, you're also a historian. Because his, the reason why things happened to our ancestors, or they made the choices they made, or decisions that they made, the answer can sometimes be found in a historical context. So for us, especially for African-Americans coming with ancestry from the South, if all of a sudden your ancestors are popping up in Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., you know, Boston, Detroit, Chicago, you know, whatever, all up and down the eastern seaboard, up into the, the kind of northern central states, that's part of the Great Migration. Yeah. You, could almost, you can almost probably clock the movement of your ancestors going out of the states by yeah. just having a really basic understanding of when the first migration started and kind of tapered off, when the yeah. second great migration started, and when that started to taper off. So much so that now it's just part and parcel of my genealogy. If, I've, if I lose an entire family from the Deep South around 1917, or then again around maybe 1920s, 1930s, I'll, first thing I'll do I'll go, especially looking for the men. Sometimes it's easier to find the men than the women because the men's names 
usually, not for our family, but usually don't change. So I'll look at things like World War I draft cards. Where are all of my Mathesis going? Oh, they're up in both. They're up in Maryland, Delaware, Philadelphia. New York, Massachusetts. Not yeah. so much Massachusetts, but a couple of them did go up there. Once I get a sense of how many of them actually went from South Carolina, Georgia, and North Carolina to those places, I know that all of a sudden other family members start dropping off the radar. Those are the exact places I needed to go. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have, let me see. That was that. And then Loretta said, most times families generally use the same church, pastor, and cemetery. That's also true. And um, because all of our families are buried in Springfield, Liberty Springs, Pleasant Lane Black Baptist Church, Shaw, but it's it's bulks, it's bulks of them in different churches. But that's absolutely correct. And so then Barbara's oh. asked a really good question: How do the Gary and Gumillion families fit in? I oh, that's a good one. I haven't done that much work on the Gumillions. I have them. Donia has them. I can probably answer the Garys a little bit better. Most of my Garys are intertwined with the Childs slash Childs family. That's where I'm finding a lot of, in the Miles family, those three. And Peterson. And Peterson. That's where I'm finding most of my Gary connections at the minute. You're probably f more familiar with the Gomillion family than, than I am. I'm, I just know the name. And it's so funny because as an Uber driver, you know, you get people to get in your car and all that other stuff. Well, one time I had a go million get in the car and it popped up go million. And I'm like, mm, OK, <laughs> <laughs> so soon as I got in the car, I said, is this your first name? And uh, I'm like, is this? She was like, oh, no, that's our last name. And then she was like, you know, a go million. And I said, I have fa I have go millions in my family tree. She said, oh, well, then we're cousins because all go millions are related. Before I could say anything, that's what she said. And it was so crazy. And, we're, you know, we're talking and everything. And sure enough, they actually connect. Now, where they connect, I, I don't know yet because I haven't done the overall research. But like Brian said, with the Garys, you know, the Garys, they, they connect in, in a lot of different ways. They married into different families. But then and, and marrying into different families makes them matches. So I didn't know you had um, Gary's in your family, Barbara. That could be one of our connections. Um, then another person said, Valoria said, I have some Chen relatives who lived in Pleasant Lane. Well, let me say this, Valoria. That's how we're related. That is it. That Chen, um, Horace Chen, because he married... Molly or, or Margaret senior, that's our connection. So I didn't know that at first, but now, you know, I think, I think you and I actually talked about that, but yeah, the, that's why they were, once they're there, now it's some more stuff with that Chen senior thing that we need to figure out because it, it's some more, but um, that's what that was. And then I want to make sure I get everybody in because it's okay. a lot of people okay. popping up. Karen just said, um, duplicates have, <clears throat> I know some of the duplicates have to do with people moving for jobs or marriage, which is true. My grandmother is listed three times in 1930. First, she's at home in Virginia, then living in a boarding house. No, that, that is true. And actually, because was it your grandfather, Donnie, or your great-grandfather that was on the road for a while? He, was, he worked for Stellan, Virginia or something? 
My grandfather. My grandfather worked one full year in Richmond, Virginia, while his family was living in Asheville, North Carolina. This was when they were starting their actual move, their migration into the into D.C. And um, he he lived. He had two addresses: one in Richmond, one in in Asheville, North Carolina. So again, that's a good point, and especially in the 1930s during the Depression, may not have been able to work in your neighborhood or within your community. So you would hit the road to get whatever work you could to send money back home. And again, a lot of our our ancestors, um, specifically the ones I'm thinking of in South Carolina, worked for the railroads. Um, that was one of their prestige jobs for for African Americans. A lot of our ancestors took you know took it. Right. Brian, this one is for you. So um, Tracy Pittman, she says, hi, my maternal great-grandfather was a Mathis from County, Georgia area and Spivey family. Both are very difficult to trace. You know well, um, you have my sympathy about the Mathis. First of all, <laughs> Mathis family, it's the last name. I've, I've rarely seen so many spelling variations for a family. So you have Mathis, you have Matthews, which is my lot. So, and actually, speaking of names, that can be a clue. Anytime I see someone with the name Matthews and they're coming from the old 96th district in South Carolina, I know that they have something to do with my direct line because mine is one of, the, one of two African-American lines to use the, the spelling Matthews as opposed to Mathis. Uh, there's another spelling variation, Mathes, M-A-T-H-E-S, and it just goes on and on and on. So that is a problem. Another problem is if you take my three times great-grandfather, Lewis Matthews, for instance, he was a breeder. Um, we know he was a breeder. We've been able to trace definitively 25 or 26 of his children. We know that there's a lot more out there because we have a lot of Matthews, Mathis, matches and we just especially from Saluda and we don't quite know how they connect to the overall family the other problem they had a hell of a lot of kids there's just there's no polite way of putting it they had you think Petersons are bad with the 10 15 21 kids Matthews Matthews and Mathises were right up there with them and they seem to have been sent everywhere um, you know, the, the white enslaving Matthews family was a big family in and of itself. They had a lot of children. Enslaved families were being split apart amongst them. So, you know, if someone's daughter married a guy from Georgia or the son couldn't afford land in Edgefield, went down to Georgia where the land was cheaper, they took their enslaved population with them. Mathis and Matthews, don't once, once they got broken up like that, unlike the Petersons, it looks as though they found it very, very difficult to come back together again. So that in and of itself also, um, it, it makes it a challenge to, um, to try to break those brick walls down. And again, it depends on the, the oral history that's passed from generation to generation. So there are other, yeah, and that and that's a really, you know, good point to show the differences, just like, because not every family was, was fortunate like the Peterson family to be able to actually pull themselves back together as a whole, as a group. Um, there could have been some things that happened that allowed them to do that because of who they were owned by as far as separate families were concerned. So, I mean, you just never know. They, they were, they were lucky to be able to do something like that. 
Um, we have Richard got some more people. LaMonica says, I'm connected to Chins by DNA as well as your Yeldale, but no clue how they connect. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just don't know what to say. I mean, the, the I mean, they're just a really difficult family, and I don't know why they're so... They, they changed their names, LaMonica. That's the only thing that I can say. They changed their names so much and so often that they were in hiding. I, I'm getting ready to start to agree with my oldest and my youngest son by saying they were spies. It, I mean, they were like spies. <laughs> they hid, and they went into hiding. And I mean, if you guys read my book, and y'all read the the, the story of John Yeldale, like not too many people talk about that portion of the book. But I'm telling y'all, that's that's some amazing stuff for this man to go into hiding for five years, go to school, change his whole name, change his lifestyle, change everything about himself and become this well-respected minister in an area. And nobody knows that he really kind of, he murdered somebody in the background and don't know if I know nothing about it. So he, he, they had, they had Monica. And the I thing mean, is, it's, it's crazy. His, I mean, that, that story is like, that's like the born identity. Yes. It's like the born identity. It's, it's yes. Proper, that's exactly it's proper it born identity. Yep. It's exactly what it is. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And even his own children. Let me tell you how bad it is. His own children didn't know this story. They have no clue. He died with his name as Reverend Elijah F. Fleming. No parents. So he looks like, so when they go to research him and they go to 1910 and can't go any. They can't go back any further. He just looked like he appeared on earth. That's it. Because you can't find him before 1910. But you can't find him before 1910 because he's another man named John Yeldale. And if you don't read the book, if you not necessarily, if you don't read the stories that leads up to that, you just, you'll never know. You'll just never know. And then the other thing, um, we have another, so that's that's what's the problem, LaMonica. That's the that's the overall problem with our family. Um, the chance, Valoria is a good person that you guys can talk to. She's on this on this particular link, and I'm sure she'd answer any questions. Uh, or if you have questions, I can take it to her, and we'll we'll go from there. But well, one, there's, a, there's a good question from Wanda Harrison. I was just going to read that one. Are the Gordons from Pleasant Lane related to you? Well, first of all, everyone on Pleasant Lane is pretty much related to, to each other. We have loads of Gordons. Gordons are also wrapped up in the whole Peterson, Mackey, Key mess. Don't say Mackey. Don't say Mackey. That, that's in our family. So yes, uh, we're definitely related to Gordons. And I also clocked your last name, Harrison. I'm assuming that that's probably going to be your married name. Uh, yeah. yeah. We're related to Harrisons, too. And the Harrisons, depending on which line you're talking about, do the Harrisons... They go back to the she's, she's, um, she's, she's. So this is my cousin, Wanda. Wanda's married to my cousin Derek, who is Annie, Annie Luz. 
son. Oh, okay. So that's the Essie. Yeah, that's them. Right. So gotcha. Yeah. See, I, I just had to see the last name Harrison. I'm like, yep, you're going to be a cousin. Yeah. Yeah, That. so that's how that works. Yeah, Wanda is definitely um, a cousin, without a doubt. Kevin says that his grandfather was a Pullman porter and moved to Philadelphia. He was talking about with your the train thing. Um, then Valoria has responded. She said, my chin relatives are very difficult to trace. See what I'm saying? I believe they either changed their names or died young. So, it, again, this is something that's really big in the Edgefield area, the changing of the names. Why did they change names? Well, let me get into that real quick as to why they changed names. They changed names because Edgefield was, it, it was dangerous. It, hmm? It's in there. Um, it was dangerous. Edgefield, South Carolina was unbelievably crazy, dangerous place, and our families had to do what they had to do to survive. And um, now that I know that those were the things that was going on with them at this point, I can't, I can't even get as angry with our family as I used to get. I used to just get so mad to the point where I wanted to throw my computer out the window, but now I, I can't do that. I can't even well, do that. To actually illustrate how dangerous a place it was. And I can't remember who found this story. We were reading this. <laughs> oh, Hamad, that's right. We're reading this account. I think it was the, the Mexican-American War. We were fighting in Texas. I forget what, what 19th century war it was. So you have this white cat who's part of this, the, the American war effort, dodging bullets. And I think it was his commander. The colonel's like, you know, you're pretty good at that. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't like getting shot at. He's like, well, why are you, why are you fighting in this war? The guy's like, because it's a hell of a lot safer than Edgefield. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And this and this was a white guy that said that. So this was crazy. Um, then Loretta says Edgefield was a witness protection program. <laughs> <laughs> she said those men and some women were a hot mess. Many stayed in trouble, had to change name, not to face prosecution, especially bootlegging. Um then let's see. Deborah Cross responded. She says, I haven't done a lot of detailed research into my family yet, but am wondering about my mems, Tut, and Wingus. I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, many different spellings and any African-American connections. I did find Richardson's and Price, but haven't heard anything specific about mems, Tut, and Wings. Mems, I haven't. Well, the Tut, that's Daryl, if I'm not mistaken. Daryl is a Tut. Mm. But that's early on. The Mims, I have them married into our family a few times. Um, Richardson's and Price and Loretta about to go off again because, like she said, she's having a crisis with the prices. But we're actually on the prices now. We're looking on them. We're working on the prices. And um, Richardson's have already been worked on. So, I mean, it's always more. <laughs> but we know that the Richardsons connect to our Williams line completely. Hmm. And then um, LaMonica said some of her chins are in Wisner, Louisiana, and I'm willing to bet their family moved from North Carolina. So you and, and Valoria might want to, you, Valoria, and Tony 
all of you are on the Calling All Branches page, all three of y'all. And y'all might want to like do some type of collaborating and, and getting in on those chance things to figure that out. Um, and then we got one, another one where we got a compliment. Thank you. Thank you. A.E. Barlow that said, this is a great, this is great. Should have more of these. Don't have family in Edgefield, South Carolina, but I have some complex questions in my own family tree. Keep it up. Well, you can, just because you don't have family in Edgefield doesn't mean that you can't come and join in. And if you have questions, we can definitely answer them. We'll, we'll try our best to answer them. Let me, let me back off of that. <laughs> True. But I know that as much as we, you know, we talk a lot about Edgefield because that's pretty much what we're working on specifically at the moment. But Edgefield didn't just materialize out of, out of nowhere. You know, our, our Edgefield and the old 96 ancestry, I mean, we already know through some lines, goes to North Carolina and then Virginia or goes straight, straight into Virginia. I've got Quakers coming from Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey yeah. um, that, were that were really kind of locking down slave ownership. So they up sticks and, and moved to the Carolinas. That's so right. We so as Donia said, you know, we, even though we're saying Edgefield, all of our family lines go out of Edgefield much earlier on to the other, to the other colonies. Um, and hopefully, you know, we're saying names that are gonna that are gonna ring some bells. I've noticed someone left a message whose last name is Caldwell. You and I are gonna be related. We're gonna be related yeah. through through Quakers. Yeah. Caldwell is a really, really old Quaker family in America. Same with the Richardsons. A lot of the Richardsons started off as Quakers um, when Quakerism and slave and, and and enslaving became incompatible. That's when they kind of left the faith and brought their brought their enslaved people. Further, further south, um, but thank yes, thank you very much for um for that comment. Right now, Barbara says she has. I think she meant this. Did you say? I think she meant Mims, but it says Mills because you guys were collaborating before you and um and Deborah. So you guys need to y'all need to collaborate. Deborah and is on the home place page. Barbara, I think you're on the home place page. So you guys could possibly collaborate like that. If you're not, I'm going to add you and um, figure out what you need to know about your mems. But she said, I have mills in my tree. Do not know if their name could have been possibly Miles. Oh, you're talking about that. That's possible. That's a That's possibility. But it's also yet. worth remembering that the the Miles family itself, and that's M-I-L-E-S and M-Y-L-E-S, again, name variations, very, very old Virginia family going all the way back to Jamestown, and they were an enslaving family even then. Um, so Miles Mills may be, a, may be a separate family unto itself, or, you know, there, there's a chance that Mills and Miles could be the same thing. But again, we go through, you know, we have quite a few similar conversations about this. We have cousins who insist that Tolberts, T O L B E R T, <laughs> and Talberts are two completely different. Yeah, T A L are two completely different families when they're not. Same family. Same with Childs and C H I L E S, C H I L D S. Same family, just different way of spelling. Same with settles and subtles. S e t t l e, s l s e t t l e s, s u t t l e, or s u t t l e s. So, I mean, it's all the, it's the same family. It's the same family. I don't care. Y'all can 
talk all that crap all you want to, but it's it's the same family. And um it doesn't make any it's it's ridiculous to keep saying that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go like that. Uh so now Tracy, okay, so just let me go over some more of these um things and then we're gonna have to close down shortly. This was a really good show. Um, Deborah says, are there any good books that would help me understand the history of this part of South Carolina? Great discussion and information. Deborah, I'll send you the link. I have placed, I posted a link of like seven books. We're still trying to get, and Valoria, you could probably help with this. We're still trying to get Samira to put her, republish her book on newspapers. When I, she went all the way back, it was awesome, and it is a must-have book. So hopefully we'll get her to, you know, we're, we're trying to get her to republish. We're trying to get her to republish. It is it's an awesome book. Um, who else asked the question? Okay, then Kevin said, all roads lead to Edgefield. <laughs> as funny as that is, Kevin, they actually all lead to Virginia. It's all going to go back to Virginia because it's so crazy how we are all like descendants of the first colony, which is Jamestown. We all connect to Jamestown. It's going to happen. Then Tracy Pittman says, my paternal grandmother is also from the Peterson and Price family in Halifax County. I think I need more info about you. <laughs> you probably will. And I can, I can tell you. If your if your people were from Warren, Halifax, or in and around Raleigh, is that mm -hmm. is that Winston Salem? Durham. Durham. Your Peterson and Prices will be mixed. I I'll bet you almost anything they will be mixed in with the Settles family. They'll yep. be mixed in with the Matthews Mathis family. Yeah. And there's another one that moved down there with them, the Borums. Adams. And the Adams too. Adam. See, they they were already related, and yep. they just all kind of moved to the to the same parts of North Carolina. So hopefully, mm -hmm. by throwing a cup by throwing those names out for you, like I said, Settles, oh Holloway, Settles, Holloway, Williams, Peterson, Adams, Borum, those yes. six names. I bet yes. you anything. If they're You're not popping out, if they're not popping out in your genealogy at the moment in North Carolina, they probably will do. Yeah, our, our families, they picked up in groups and just dropped in different areas. It's so crazy because that's one of the things that I learned here. I have this beautiful picture of um, the, the second church that my grandfather founded in this area, which is named after the Springfield Baptist Church that's in Edgefield. And it's of the congregation. I swear to you guys everybody that's standing on that step on the next show i'll show you guys that picture but everybody that's standing on that step is family they're holloways they're petersons they're seniors they're i mean anything you can think any name you can think of they're sitting right there and we didn't know that that's who that was until i started and you know until we started doing our research um deborah said is there any connection with boone Spelled with an E or without the E, an Avery, Holder, or Perkins. I'm gonna say no for me. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I've never seen that one. And then we have 
Loretta says, researchers will forget some of the things that were discussed about what not to do. I think we should make a little checklist and post to help new researchers out and post it on the site. What we do, Loretta, that's a, that's a good idea as well. But we normally go back over this and then we'll post all of the things. So the books, the, um, the, the link to that Brian was talking about as far as the uh, books are concerned will be posted up and I'll do the link for those set of books that I was talking about for Edgefield. Those will go right up here as well. Barbara says she has Talbert cousins. Well, of course you do, Barbara. You're related to us. So you're <laughs> that's a huge family. The Talberts are extremely like I, I get mad at them because they're so big. And then let me see. Oh, A.E. Barley, A. E. Barley wants more information about the shows. So to make it easy, it's all, Genealogy Adventures Live is always the first and third Sunday of every month at four o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, if we vary, if we deviate for that for any reason, or we always let people know one in advance. Like for instance, Mother's Day, we had to shift everything back a week because Mother's Day fell on a Sunday, which was a day that we would normally broadcast. But after that, saying all that, first and third Sunday of every month, four o'clock Eastern Standard Time, right here on the Genealogy Adventures page on Facebook. Okay. And then um Oh Caldwell and Richardson. <laughs> yeah. Carla says, Donya, have you figured out how my mother no how my mother connects to your mother? I'm confused since I thought we were connected on my dad's Holloway line. I still haven't. Um, I'm not doubting that, but I think it's gonna be more than that, Carla. I'm just being straightforward and honest with you. Because our Holloway lines are so that's another line that's just a lot of people. And Loretta, stop cussing. Um, well, I can say that Holloways are really tricky because, again, the Holloway family was a big enslaving family. It was another family that had a lot of kids. Most of them were enslavers and had been for a long, long time. And what we're starting to find is that a couple of us, Hol couple of us who descend from Holloways, we don't have common black or even mixed race ancestors what we have are common white ancestors so for if you know you're coming across say you have an ancestor who identified as a mulatto holloway born between say the late 1700s all the way to the mid 1800s chances are you know our, our common ancestor isn't going to be we're not going to have a common black ancestor we're going to have a common white ancestor just part and parcel of American genealogy, or specifically African-American genealogy. African-American. And, and, and that's what the show is for, you know, to show how to do our research and still be able to find both our white families and our black families. Because we can use it. It's, it's almost using the same thing, but we just got to be a little bit more creative. <laughs> and I know that I knew I said that in a really matter-of-fact way, but I, and that's it's something I was discussing recently on Facebook, and it really did blow people's minds. Going, some of us aren't going to have common black ancestors; we're going to have common white ancestors. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yes. and it, it really did. I mean, this one guy in particular, I'm not going to say his name. It fried his brain. <laughs> he just couldn't wrap his head. He just couldn't wrap his head around it. Yeah. It's like it's, that. It's, it's crazy. It's like that little Caesar pizza commercial, you know, the 
where the hat, you know, the guy, the guy can't comprehend getting any more cheese, so much cheese. Into the cheese pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, this was a great show. You guys had us go over. We're like an hour and fifteen minutes. So this was awesome. The questions were awesome, and um, we want to remind you guys again: the show times are the first and third Sunday of every month, four o'clock every every month. Every day, every other Sunday. And um, we also, what else did we want to remind you? When you're doing your research, make sure if you have a question to ask, please don't come with just, are the child childs related to you? That's not enough information. We need yeah, more sorry, information. Donnie's reminded, because again, I get roughly anywhere from seven to 10 messages on Ancestry.com every single day. And I get that because I have a huge tree, and it's most of it's very well, very well researched. Um, I've got to go back to some of the older bits and, and add more context and, and details to it. But I get it. I've got a big tree. There's lots of names in there. People are curious about how we're related, or do I have information? So yesterday, I got a, a, a message on Ancestry that goes, "Are you related to, to the Childs?" That was it. Not how that person was related to them. Not who you know his direct line was and i'm thinking i'm deep 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 into research at the moment and i'm going to be honest you know i mean i probably will get back to this guy sooner or later but the ones who tell me exactly who they are how they think that we're related the family said they're not even the family that they're inquiring about the specific people that they're inquiring right. about that's an easy one for me to answer i can knock i can knock an answer out for that three anywhere from three to five minutes so again it's it's just being mindful that you know we're all deep into research um anytime you're asking someone to really pause what they're doing to answer a question make it as easy for them to answer that question as humanly possible so i'm afraid this chap is way in the back of the queue you know all the other people who've given me very concrete information to work with are the ones i'm going to respond to pretty much immediately or you know or quickly right um Martha said, thank you. Excellent info. Kevin says, I'm not going to ask any more questions. Yes, you are. I'm waiting for the 1030 <laughs> text messages. Yes, you are. And you're supposed to. And I'm good with that. And um, so just to, almost to close things out, just to say that the next show, which will be the week after next, is going to be about critical thinking because critical thinking is such an important, important skill to have as a genealogist. And what do I mean by that? We're talking about names. You know, we're, we were kind of semi-joking, but also semi-serious about just how many Carrie Brunsons we have in our family. I wasn't joking. <laughs> so if you're looking, you know, for us to look at a record with a woman called Carrie Brunson, we have to try to use critical thinking to figure out which of the 50, 60 Carrie Brunsons we have in our tree that record actually belongs to, who that record's telling us more information about. Right. Sometimes, you know, and again, as a newbie genealogist, you want to line, you know, you want to try to line your ducks up all in a row. You want to get a record that has the exact correct, the birth date or birth year that you're familiar with, with a name spelling that you're familiar with, in a place that you're familiar with. 
Well, a lot of you're very, you know, a lot of us are very lucky if we can get those three things consistent from record to record to record. So, getting you guys to think about, well, okay, the date of birth is maybe five, six, seven years off. Is this the same person? Giving you the skill set to be able to use critical thinking to figure out whether that record really is for the person you're researching, or for someone else who very well may be a family relation to that person. So it's a big topic, um, but without critical thinking, I couldn't have, especially when you're dealing with enslaved ancestors, you have to use tons, 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 tons of critical thinking because you're not going to get all the pieces of information you need all right. in one place, all out of one record. Right. You, know, you, really you have to have trust to... yourself. You, yeah. That's the other thing. You have to trust your gut. You have to listen. Um uh, Y'all know, I, I, I'm not scared to say, you know, they talk to me. They, they talk to me. That's what they it is. Me. They talk yeah. to me, too. Yeah, they, they definitely they talk to us all the time. And um, I'm not afraid to admit it. You got to listen. Just don't necessarily talk back. That way you won't feel like you're crazy. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously speaking, you have to listen to them because they'll guide you. They'll guide you. They'll direct you. You know, pay attention to that book that failed and open to a certain page. Look at that page because it, it, it'll make, it may make a difference for you. So, um, but that's, that's a part of the critical thinking. That's yeah. why I'm saying that. That's actually a part of the critical thinking to trust your own gut. To trust, I mean, if we had not trust our gut and never got that paperwork about the Peterson line, if we hadn't trust our work, uh, had trust our own gut, we wouldn't have realized that we were actually right once we got that once we got that paper, that one little piece of paper. It literally just wrote down everything we had said, and we'd never seen it before. We've actually, never seen it before. For this show, why don't we why don't we actually use Joshua and Peter as an example because. I wouldn't say that we're having an argument, but we are having an intense conversation with a couple of cousins who don't believe that Joshua is the brother of Peter because there isn't a record that says he is. And is trying to explain to them, we may never get a record that says yeah. that those two men were brothers. But when you These look men at were born in, eight, in the early 1800s. I mean, one was born in like 1807. The other one was born in 1816. These are black men. We already know now the Petersons were enslaved. So because they were enslaved, we were lucky to get what we have gotten. And, and we may not ever find anything else. So is Joshua Peterson related to Peter Peterson? Yes, he is. This is brother. And that's how I feel about it. I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't see it can't be any other way because I'm constantly, my mom is constantly, Brian is constantly coming up with matches with Joshua's family so at some point you got to be able to give in and say if if it's the dna is your your documented proof because you're you're, you're matching these people over and over and over again yes it's hard because we might be matching joshua's wife but hell joshua's wife might be his cousin so <laughs> at this point we don't, you know, we got to give in. We got to give in to our gut at some point. We got to, we got to trust it. But the but, key is to be honest. If you, you know, right. when you're using things like family tree, ancestry, 23andMe, whatever family, whatever tree, you're, you know, public tree uh, service you're using, say that, say that this needs to be confirmed. 
this needs to be documented. We need, you know, we need a DNA person to, we need a person's DNA to be able to confirm this. So long as you're honest and you put those notes on a person, just like we did with Joshua, put him down as Peter's brother, needs to be determined. Now I kind of know he doesn't need to be because as Donia said, we are getting DNA hits through Joshua's line that connect back, that shows that link with Peter. So again, some of the other things that, that we'll also be talking about in the next show as part of critical thinking is being able to eval- honestly evaluate someone's tree to determine whether there's useful information in there. Um, we should never just blindly copy people's family trees ever. Um, and I'll, we'll go, in, go into why you shouldn't do that next in the next show as well. Um, but to look at the sources they're using, to look at the documentation that they're, that they're providing. Little things like, I can't tell you how many family trees that I see where the children were born before the parents. Now, that's a neat trick if you can do it. If back, in <laughs> six, if back in 1689, they could actually go into their little time machine, you know, do a little, do a little, little time trip and have their parents before they're born. You know, right. Things like that should tell you, yeah, there's, there, this, is, this is wrong. That's right. not even a mistake. It's just wrong. <laughs> right. So we're going to close the show out, but I want to, cl- I don't want to um, close it out without doing what um, our cousin said. Kevin reminded me to remind everybody about our DNA project. And, and just to let you know, um, we do have a DNA project where we're getting as much DNA. We're asking for people to just, if you've already taken your test, to go ahead and send it to the DNA, send um, your raw data to the DNA Memorial Fund at gmail.com because we've joined with our Sheila Hightower Allen DNA um, Memorial Fund has joined with Howard University and we are um, working together so that Howard will look at our DNA because it's something else. <clears throat> and we really want, you know, people to pay attention and and hopefully we'll be able to prove that all of Edgefield is related, even though I think we're kind of doing that on our own. But I'm really excited about Howard University joining in because not only are they going to help us prove that, but they're also going to give us what some common medical things that our family needs to know about. And um, what's the other thing? It's one more thing that they're doing. It's the Oh, it's the, it's the segmentation, the DNA analysis, the, se- the, uh, yeah, the, the segmenting work. Um, there's the health analysis bit, basically telling us what we're genetically predisposed to. Um, and there was, what was it's the another thing? one. There's a third oh, thing. Oh, it's gone. Huh? It's gone. It's gone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of it either, but we're definitely doing that. So if your family is from the 96, if your family is from anywhere over there in the 96, and even some outside count, some of the um, outside cities like Kershaw or Darlington, because they, they traveled like that. The 96 consisted of so many different counties in different times, wow. in different ways that we actually have almost in are including where we are including places like Orangeburg and some of the counties that are in Orangeburg. So that would include Barnwell, Allendale, um, and, and, and Johnston. We're also including, like I said, Kershaw and Darlington, and those are over in another County on another side. Spartanburg. Um, Spartanburg area, all of that. We want, we want your DNA. DNA will not be sent out. 
until we get a, a, a confirmation from you that it's okay for it. No one's DNA has been sent out yet. We're in collecting stages. If you want to know more about this, just join our um, Facebook page and we'll put this up here, uh, the Sheila Hightower Allen DNA Memorial Fund. That page will always be updated. You keep to keep up um, keep up to date with that particular page. And we are working. We don't know when the show is, but we are definitely working on a show where you can talk to the doc, to Dr. Jackson, who is the the head of the Department of Biology at Howard University, and our um, Jennifer Caldwell, who is the um, geneticist that's going to be working on it. And they're going to talk with us. So get, you know, look out for that. We're going, we're trying to get that show together. And that way you guys can ask questions about it and anything you need. So I'm dying. I'm Brian. Thank you for <laughs> sharing your you. part of your Sunday with us. Yes. And this is Genealogy Adventures. And we love you guys. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye.